0: This episode of the Ministry Misfits podcast and this awesome shirt are brought to you by Courageous Clothing Company. Courageous Clothing Company is a Christian family-owned business that specializes in custom designs that they create as well as bulk screen printing of your custom designs as well. When you buy from Courageous Clothing Company, you're not just buying an awesome shirt. You also are helping spread the gospel across the world through the missions that they support, such as this here with Ministry Misfits, as well as with their own designs that have Christian-themed messages sharing the gospel in an awesome and relevant way, or as we say within CSRM and Ministry Misfits, strategically relevant evangelism. Check out their entire line at CourageousClothingCompany.com. hey everybody welcome back we are still in 2022 i'm not coughing anymore so that's an advantage are you talking that is an advantage
1: right no i feel completely good and it seems weird that it's been basically a month ago at this point
0: right so as you can tell i'm not even in the studio I'm not even in Ohio at the moment. I'm out in Illinois. I'm in a building with no Wi-Fi, so we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully, it's not too choppy here and there, but we're, we're going to try, try and get this knocked out. Um, we are going to talk today about what makes an essential doctrine what the essentials of a church actually are. So, we're doing this because anybody that has ever been on the internet knows people like to argue (laughs) and they argue over things that really don't matter
1: yeah and And not that you're going to change anyone's mind by arguing on the internet that
0: somebody you've never met right and on top of that the the thing that is amazing to me is that christians will argue that things matter that don't and so that's what we're gonna actually talk about today is what within theology actually matters, blind in the stand, we will, you know, you shall not pass to what is just stuff that we can disagree about and still all get along. So that's what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about what essential doctrines are. So there are two types of doctrines. And when we talk doctrines, We are talking about these are the things that the church is teaching, the church believes, and that the church holds as, you know, absolute fact and faith. So these are, you know, this is theology stuff. There's essential doctrines, and then there are non-essential doctrines. Now, non-essential doctrines are the ones where we can get along. Essential are the things that we've got to believe in order for us to actually, you know, be able to get along. You can also argue that essential doctrines are things that are necessary for salvation, non-essential do not affect your salvation. Yeah, That's something that gets argued a lot too. I don't know if you've seen that or not. but
1: I have to the fact that, I mean, we're obviously not God, so we don't get to make that determination of, all right, where's that fine line and who gets over where and where's everyone's heart at, which I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision (laughs) that, Um, God provides love and grace and justice, too. So, yeah, there's kind of that fine line of, all right, here's some steady doctrines, but there might be some gray areas, too, depending upon
0: how overflowing God's mercy (laughs) and love is. Right. So a a basic definition for essential doctrines, uh, these are the doctrines that are essential for salvation and for fellowship. When we're talking fellowship, we are talking about Fellowship of Believers, so this is a united body. We're, we're talking universal church. We're talking not local church, universal church. We're going to talk local church in a couple of weeks with Dr. Linville. Non-essentials are all of the other doctrines. So you should have more non-essentials than essentials. Because the, literally within a definition, we've got non-essentials are all of the other ones. So there's a much bigger batch. And they're the ones that can be disagreed upon without compromising fellowship or faith. And this is where we can really start even talking the deconstruction stuff. Because a lot of of the arguments against deconstruction that I hear at least is that if you are deconstructing your faith, you are not you are no you are compromising the fellowship of the believers and you are compromising your salvation but that isn't guess, necessarily true because i don't know many people that when they deconstruct completely throw out all of their beliefs right off the bat i don't know if that's something you you know or not but
1: i guess by deconstructing you're meaning they're just kind of taking another evaluation of their true faith, right? And kind of seeing what do I believe? What puts it to the test? Um, yeah, I think honestly, a lot of the time it's through more of the, the worldly lens that they go back through and determine everything and say, okay, what is my local body of church or what are other Christians? What is social media saying about this group? And where do I kind of fit in or don't fit into that? That's what I typically see for the deconstructing is, um, yeah try to breaking out of the mold or whatever
0: to to get out of something to not fit a typical stereotype and a lot Um, of it is actually people that are disagreeing with non-essentials that have been made essentials correct yeah and so that that that's kind of where where what we're talking about here is the idea we need to actually be able to define what our essentials are before we start blasting everybody that we potentially disagree with within the church you know the the phrase that i keep getting thrown around gets thrown around a lot is well you just need to repent of whatever it is you think well repent is a theological word talking about turning away from sin so unless thinking that the church has systemic racism is sinful I don't think repent is the word you're looking for. Yeah. You know, and knowing that we're, and knowing that we're not holding
1: non-believers to the same standard too. I feel like that also gets, especially the non-essential gets thrown out of, these are the rules you're supposed to be playing by, but it's like, wait, we haven't even started with the essentials yet where that's really the full game plan we need to be following. So if you're not on that plan, like why are we telling non-believers about these non-essentials?
0: And that that's actually where we can start into section 2 here, you know, when we're talking doctrine, we're this is stuff that only applies to believers. If you are not a believer, you are not held to any of these standards. Because there's a much bigger standard you haven't met yet. <laughs> you know, you the essential you standard. Right. We can't expect you to want to be able to, you know, do all of this kind of stuff if the first standard for salvation hasn't been met yet. So how do we actually determine these things? And historically there are two areas, because this is another one where ironically people start arguing over even how we determine this stuff. Historically, the first area is always scripture. You know, we always want to go to scripture. That's part of why we talk, you know, three-tier paradigm. Christocentric theological truths they're coming out of level two biblical biblically based philosophical principles so we are talking scripture says this and we can back it up boom 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 with verses and so we we hold these you know we hold these truths you know those that sort of thing the other area Comes from the councils, and this is a historical thing that I don't know. Brandon, you for high school, you were at a public high school, right? Correct. Did you guys go through any of the councils within world history? Because sometimes public schools will talk some of these, like especially like um, the the council that Const- Constantine held and everything like that. They may address it, but I'm sure not as much detail as those of us that went to a Christian high school do.
1: They may have addressed it, but I wanna say no. But also at this point it seems like a while ago to recall <laughs> what was taught. Um that's true. In in history classes. So again, it might have been one of those ones where I was just a little more tired that day, but <laughs> I feel like I wanna
0: say no. <laughs> yeah, so the, the councils, there there are a lot of different councils. There are only a few that Protestants really look to, but there are a lot of different councils. This is the councils formed after all the apostles had died. Scripture at this point pretty much has been written and set in stone So these are the revelations from God. We're not really going to have anything new from this point. You know, the apostles had a different authority and so they wrote the scriptures. And so now we've got them and now we just need to figure what this all is. So, you know, there was a council that came together and put the canon. You know, there were councils that came together to discuss heresies that were coming into the church as far as whether they were actually heresy or not. There's a bunch of different councils. But these councils were a gathering worldwide, typically, of believers into one city to discuss what is the actual state of the church. I highly doubt that we could ever see this happen in today's world. <laughs> Even though yeah, we would, would be hard. connected, I don't think we could get a, a consensus from people within one room.
1: No, it would be very hard to, um, but also helpful to get people to be towards the same mission um, of trying to unite and come from different backgrounds. But as we, Kind of know, and I forget if we discussed it already, but we all kind of come with our own biases, too, whether we like it or not. So it'd be hard to set those aside, not that we necessarily need to, but to have um, everybody come together on, on a matter and agree. Right.
0: And, and this is where really we have worked at this; We are moving right along. We're already to Section 3 because this is why we're talking about this and why all of this matters. You know why does it matter that we actually know what our essentials are and what our non-essentials are? You know the phrase. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, Brandon, or not. But the the phrase is "unity in essentials, charity in all others." I've not heard that one. It's a new one. So so th- this phrase is what typically within pastoral ministry we talk about is unity in essentials. Mean we are united in what is essential to the faith. And then we show love, charity in all others. All other areas, we can, we can argue, we can talk, but in the end, we are so united. Yeah. And this is why it matters, is because this is where churches a lot of times look at the essential doctrines as far as, can I partner with this other ministry? Can I have fellowship with this group of believers? And then ultimately we're talking about unity for the body of Christ as a whole. And so if we can agree on what is essential to our faith, then we should be able to partner together if our visions are in line. Now, the vision, mission, vision stuff, that's a whole nother talk. That's not doctrine. That is more of a you know methodology talk as far as... Yeah, minds. more of the body of... Right, you know who's better equipped to go where. You've got you'll have you'll have a pastor who you know you got a church like Third Street that is very much community vision, very much community vision, whereas you know you may have another church in the same area, United in Essentials, where they're they have much more of an in reach mission. Can mm-hmm. they connect and partner? Yes. Will they? Maybe. Is it likely? Probably not, because their mission and vision are not in line, and so it would not make sense for them to be partnering. But they could fellowship together. Yeah. Which is a, is the next step down. This is much more of a those of us in the church that are not in ministry, you know, in in a professional ministry setting we can fellowship with other believers and gather together with other believers that may disagree in some areas, but we are united still in our essentials. And ultimately this is because we are trying to have a united church and a united body.
1: Yeah. I was going to say the other thing too, going back to non-believers of inviting people into your church, I feel like a lot of people, they feel like that's the, the end-all, be-all, sometimes the faith. If I can just get them into my church, then they'll believe. And putting all that weight on the pastor or or basically passing the buck a little bit. But also just as we talk here of that, each church has its own different vision and mission and those non-essentials that they'll probably fall one way or the other on. And just realizing of it's kind of our responsibility as Christians to help build that essential truth within them. And know that just because I go here to this body doesn't mean that you can't go here um, or connect them with a different church that might help better grow their faith, but also ultimately still have fellowship with them
0: and that that right there is part of what you know what we may get into a little bit with Dr. Linville this season. if not, we can have him on to talk another time you know there there are two lines of evangelism as far as ways of thinking about it. Um, you know, we we put them on. We always do this within CSRM, Those of you that follow CSRM stuff, you know, we we throw things on paradigms and on and on. You know, on on scales. So you have Roman evangelism and you have Celtic evangelism. Now, Roman evangelism is what you were just talking about. What we've typically seen in the U.S., you know, Rome. Where and this is not talking Catholicism versus Protestantism or anything like that. This is just. The model that we see, Rome, Caesar, you know, all of that. They march into a territory, they build their fort, and in order for you to enter into the fort, you have to declare yourself Roman. You have to agree to live as a Roman, you have to declare yourself Roman, and you have to already be willing to be a part and live as part of the community. That is a requirement to be Roman. The Celts, on the other side... They go into a community and they say, we're going to live like you for a while. And we want to become a part of the community and feel like, and make you feel like you belong with us and we belong with you. And then as that starts, then the, the wheels start moving and the questions start being asked towards belief. And so you have two completely different methods. Neither one is wrong. Mm-hmm. One is more effective than the other typically. But both are needed because the method of evangelism is not an essential. What's essential is that you're going out and doing it. Yeah. And and this is the kind of stuff. And the other big thing you said was, you know, can we help them find a church that may fit better? That's something that a lot of churches are not willing to do anymore. Because if a person is very silo built, it's silo ministry is the, the term that, you know, gets used a lot. And it's very much, and a lot of it has to do with if this person goes to another church, their tithes go with them. And that's the stuff we've got to start breaking down. If we actually are focused in on being a united body of believers, worldwide united body of believers, then if they're in a place where they are going to be able to be effectively discipled and feel a part of the fellowship, then that is where they need to be, regardless of what that means for us.
1: Yeah, we should honestly be celebrating that instead of being right. like, oh, so-and-so is going to, to here now. and be like, good for them. Hopefully that's exactly what they need to be fed and um, surrounded by other believers that will, yeah,
0: make them more effective in their community or their circles. Right. So we're going to actually start talking what these essentials and non-essentials are when we come right back from this short commercial break. Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content, and one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools, distribution tools, and even marketing tools with ads such as this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.
1: Everybody, welcome back to our episode of Ministry Misfits, where Andrew and I are in the middle of discussing essential versus non-essential doctrines, specifically within the church. So next, we're going to discuss um, one of Andrew's favorite things, which is we talk about poking the bear a little bit and just stirring more conversations, specifically on social media. Unintentionally uh, so,
0: this time. Unintentionally. Correct.
1: Yeah, you were just trying to get a good
0: feel for... I was trying um, to actually look like we're intelligent and do research for this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, so well, I guess before we talk about this, one, we t- we did discuss of how those essentials are determined, which is through scripture and through the councils before. But then now you're just trying to see, hey, I'm going to put a full poll out on Facebook and see what people determine or deem as their personal Essential, so t- tell us what you found
0: yeah, from this poll so, so I'm a part of a couple of different apologetics groups on on Facebook, um, and it's fun in there because I'm the dumb guy, you know, and so everybody just kind of looks at me like, oh, there's the dumb guy again who occasionally they let lead the room, but normally I just sit there and, and watch it all unfold um. But, you know, when you're in when you're in the same group as guys like Michael Jones and Braxton Hunter, which most of you have no idea who I'm even talking about. But if you look them up, you'll see why I'm the dumb guy in the room who just sits there and just watches all of this go down. Um, And those those are the two names I can remember off the top of my head. There's a lot of like multiple Ph.D. guys talking about all this. But anyway, I went into the Facebook group and put a poll out asking for people to vote for their what are essential doctrines and what are not. And now this group is a wide mix. So there are Catholics, there are Orthodox, there are mainline Protestants, there are Evangelicals, there are Pentecostals, there are Jewish believers— there's also atheists and agnostics in this group and everything like that, but I don't think they replied to this poll. Um and, and of those, the top four that we got was the first one, Faith Alone in Christ for Salvation was number one at forty five votes. Okay. And so real quick, is this
1: like their number one or they, yes. they could this vote is, for multiple?
0: They could they could vote for multiple, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. For, I forgot to set the terms of, you know. The <laughs> yeah, I, like, here. yeah. So they, the, out of that 45, 45 said faith alone in Christ for salvation. So this is the belief that the only way to gain salvation is to have faith in Christ alone. No other options. Number two was the deity of Christ. So this is the, and that had 40 votes. So this is the doctrine that Christ is God. There is no other option. Christ is God. Number three with 38 votes was that Christ had a bodily resurrection from the tomb so this is the belief that it wasn't just the Spirit of God coming down and so Jesus technically raised this is a Jesus physical flesh revived in the tomb and walked out on its own power that is that what we're talking about there and then number four was the, the doctrine of the Trinity. So this is the doctrine that Father, Son, Spirit, three in one, all are God, all have the authority of God, but all act in separate manners. So that, And that had 36 votes. Now, the thing that was interesting about this is that everybody pretty much agreed on that side of it. But then the argument started as to, well, how do we actually know that these are essential doctrines? The Catholics were arguing that you can only know essential doctrines from councils and creeds. So this is the thing we were talking about before. So specifically the one that's cited most of the time is the Council of Nicaea. Okay. And the Apostles' Creed is typically what is, is cited. The Pentecostals were arguing that we only know they're essential because they are the ones that are constantly confirmed by the Spirit. So this is saying that no matter where you go, the Spirit always is moving and telling us that these things are true. And so if you do not believe these, you are denying the Spirit, and if you're denying the Spirit, then you are denying the fellowship of the believers. The Jewish Christians, which there are a few of them in there, were arguing that it's all based off of tradition. These are all things that the early church in Jerusalem was teaching. And, you know, it, it makes perfect sense. These would be the things that the Jewish church would be teaching in the early church. You can only yep. find salvation through the Messiah, Jesus. He is God. He rose from the dead and then after pentecost then we have the idea and now he you know and now we understand what jesus was telling us in john about the trinity Mm -hmm. evangelicals were arguing that the only way we know is because scripture tells us it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying this is what scripture is saying that these four things are true and now there were a lot of other things that were on that list but they did not even get above 15 votes Okay, that's good to see that those top ones were, yeah, definitely set it apart. The next top one was the authority of scripture. I think it was at maybe 15. So these four were the ones that resoundingly were saying, we believe these things. The funniest part of this is that actually all the infighting that started over how we find out what we can fight over and what we can't, all of them actually are in full agreement with each other <laughs> because when we look at these four things we just said all of them are central to all four of these different areas the spirit does not the spirit is the one that reveals to us christ and allows us to have faith in him and we mm-hmm. have the fruits of the spirit and these things result from these beliefs all four of these things are central to scripture, because if they weren't, we wouldn't be talking about them. Yeah. We know for a fact that traditionally these have been the beliefs and that these really have not ever changed. And when people attempted to change them, a new council was called and those people were thrown out as heretics. <laughs> you know, and all of these things are straight out of the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> You know, it- yeah, and I think
1: it's good too that of of the essentials that everyone was—I don't really want to say deconstructing, but maybe reaffirming. All okay, right. this is what I believe, but why? And then getting into that further of okay, this is out of those those other four uh, of people's backgrounds of this is what backs it up, which is great that there is reasoning. It's not just oh, this is how I feel today on a Tuesday morning, and we go about that. So it's good to see that they're rooted in their establishment, but then also not open to saying, okay, there's, there's not just been this one essential path that all this has gotten to me here in 2022. Right.
0: And and this is what was, it was just kind of funny because all of a sudden now we're dividing over how we should divide. When the reality is that all of these people, like you said, all of these people came to the same conclusions through their, you know, their traditional line of thinking based off of their denomination. And yet all four came back to the same four, or all of them came back to the same central truths. These theological truths that are Christocentric in nature, level one, are what allow us to be united. And this is, approaches- I think that's one of the, go ahead. I think that's one of the coolest things about Christ, too, is um,
1: just knowing, I don't know the breakdown of who was where in that specific group, but again, just that Christ is not for Americans. It's not for a certain right. region. Like, it goes beyond our region and, and our depths of everything. Of like, God will make himself revealed in different ways that, again, will essentially, should unite us in the body of Christ, which I think is the coolest thing ever. I mean, you don't have to be in a certain spot to know.
0: Right, and that that's where we're, you know, the next point we are going to is the fact that division in the body is the main weapon that Satan uses. You know, he cannot, he obviously going after God himself did not work out very well for him. And no. so the next best thing is to cause division within the believers. And this is the main concern, one of the main concerns. Obviously, the first concern we see of Jesus in the garden in John 17 when he's praying. He's asking God to take the cup from him. He's asking God to be glorified. But then he spends the next, I don't know how many verses, just praying for unity. Unity among the apostles. Unity among the first believers that come from the apostles. And then unity for all the believers that come after and that everyone would be united under the name of Christ. So that's why sometimes I wonder of
1: that was Jesus' full heart and prayer. And like you said, the essentials are a smaller list versus the non-essentials. Right. Um, right. And why some of those gray areas are in Scripture. I know some of them are more man-made as, as uh, the world progresses and everything, but... A lot of it, too, is in Scripture, and it's like you sometimes question of, all right, that was Jesus' prayer and heart and request. Um, but there's also a lot of gray area in there, too, God. <laughs> it's like, well, why would you make it complicated? And we
0: know why. We know why. Because Paul, when he's writing, you know, basically the entire New Testament, when he's he's writing to all these individual churches with individual problems and individual vices— you know, the Corinthians were very much all about gluttony, was a big thing within their, their culture and their society, and so we're going to focus in there. You know, Ephesus was a city of pleasure, it was an athletic city, and so the, the things about, you know, marriage, about sexuality, all of that is going to be a much bigger focus there in Ephesus, rome the roman christians were mostly worried about the persecution coming because they're in the literal eyesight of the emperor and so we have much more about you know what salvation is here's your salvation hold on to it and stand firm paul is writing to all of these different places with different contexts and everything else and so it is going to cause there to be some areas that look kind of gray but we know that all of of Scripture is centered in on Christ and that we Mm -hmm. can find these theological truths and that through biblically-based philosophical principles we are able to allow the Spirit to show us what this means for us and be able to apply it. But that doesn't mean necessarily that these are doctrines. It means that these are applications of these theological truths that show us who Christ is. Yeah. But we like to make these things doctrinal because if we make these things doctrinal, then it shows our authority.
1: Mm, that's a good point. I think that's the best way to break it down. Is it puts me in control or power of my decision or certain people group.
0: And and this is where you know this is a historical thing. This is not just an American thing. You know, when when we once we get to Constantine in Rome and suddenly now. Christianity is the 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 empire's religion it goes from being outlawed one day to the religion that you have to follow the next suddenly power is entwined with the church but not the power of God we're talking about the power of the state and so now doctrines can be used to control people rather than free them and so we see that all throughout the—we see that all the way up to the Protestant you know, Reformation. Even within the Protestant Reformation, we see that with you know the Puritans and things like that when they get to the U.S. But then now within the U.S., the big thing—again, we're back to Cold War theology of if you follow these rules, then you are in good favor with God, and if you're in good favor with God— then God is going to bless America. And if God blesses America, then we get to keep all of our nice shiny stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which is not the plan. (laughs) Which is not not a good plan because what that produces is spiritual abusers, which is what we're going to talk about within the documentary that's coming out later this year. Spiritual abuse is a big problem. And it's a big problem because we try to make things that are not essential essential, and in doing so, we lose sight of what really is. Yeah, which brings hurt to the body of Christ. Right, and it causes division. And division is not from God. Mm -mm. Now, at times, division can be used by God. We have to call out the false prophets. We have to call out all these different things. But that falls back into how do we know what's essential? One of those things is the fact that the Spirit of God is in it. And so if the Spirit is the one actually calling it out, then we can see the difference in the way that they are being called out. Because if the Spirit is in it, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And so the way that we deal with these essential doctrines is just as important as what these essential doctrines are. And so these are the areas that we're going to talk about here to to kind of finish off, is what actually are the essential doctrines? The the best ways to determine these are, what was it that the early church actually believed? You know, if these are essential to fellowship and essential to salvation, they'll be there from the beginning. So what is it that the early church believed? What do we see the Spirit work in everybody? You know, if, if we are calling for unity in the body, the thing that unites us is the banner of Christ and, the, and his spirit. And so if the spirit continues to confirm the same things over and over and over throughout history and throughout cultures and throughout different political parties and everything else, those are probably the essential doctrines we should hold on to. Mm-hmm. What is it that unified us traditionally? You know, again, we're looking at history. This is why we're starting off our church history talks with this, because it's an important piece of, our, of why history matters. And then, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know we're not going to let this one go. What does Scripture actually say about it? Scripture tells us what's <laughs> important. We, we are not yep. at all backing off from the fact that we're saying Scripture is the ultimate authority here. But we are saying that we need to also understand that there are a lot of people that came before us that probably are smarter than us and that have already looked through the scriptures and have already argued and debated and prayed over this stuff. And so we don't always have to go back and rework it. You know, some people have already done the heavy lifting for us. So if we are saying that we believe that the, the Spirit of God is in us, if we're saying as Christians we believe in that the Spirit is in us and that he unifies us, then we are going to be able to find ways to get along. You know, if, if, so the Spirit is going to be, if we say the Spirit is in us, there should be more that unifies us than that divides us. Even though what we're saying is that the essentials list is shorter than the non-essentials list. There should be more yep. that we can find to get along together because I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, Jesus saved us. And so now we're a part of the same family. Yeah, let's start there and work on work from the ground up, basically. Right. So the essentials that we are going to argue are essentials. First of all, those that are interested, the, the what we use within CSRM and Overwhelming Victory is we actually mainly just talk Apostles' Creed. Can you affirm the Apostles' Creed? If you can affirm the Apostles' Creed, we can work together. But we want to break it down a little bit simpler that. So we've got five things that we see throughout Scripture, we see throughout church history, and even we saw within our polls that we're saying are the essentials for us. The first one obviously is, Salvation through Christ alone. And this is a biggie. If you can't agree with this, there's no way you can have unity within a body that is saying Christ is Lord of all and Christ is the one that saved us. (laughs) This should be the obvious one. Yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not always the obvious one because for whatever reason, it gets muddied even within bible believing churches sometimes this gets muddied because we add things to what we believe salvation requires of us and in america typically that's which way you vote but that's not do You think in it sense
1: takes of more of the Do you think people try to take more of the James approach where it's faith without works is is dead or do you think they kind of go that route
0: A lot of people would argue that, but I don't think that it's valid (laughs) because what we see James actually talking about is that if you actually believe this stuff and have faith, then the works are going to show themselves. Yeah. If you are working towards your salvation, you're not going to actually have any faith because obviously you don't trust that Jesus was enough. And so that that's where again this is why these essentials are are important because if we are sa- what we are saying is that Jesus is enough for salvation. We don't need anything else. Jesus is enough to save us. Yep. It's a biggie and that's why it's the first one. <laughs> The second one is the divine nature of the Trinity. And we're going to actually probably talk Trinity at some point on here because this is something that gets very confusing but is extremely important for believers. Because if we deny the Trinity, we are not going to be able to actually, you know, we, we can't have number one if we deny number two. You know, the thing that separates. Yeah, especially the part about the Holy Spirit. Right. If we didn't... The the thing about the Trinity that's... The Trinity is really what separates Christianity from Islam. It separates Christianity away from Judaism as well. You know, the Jews believe fully in God the Father. The Jews believe fully in the Holy Spirit. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. The thing that Judaism denies is the divinity of Christ as the Son. Yep. Islam fully believes in God the Father. But they deny the divinity of the Son. And in certain sects of Islam, they also deny the Spirit of God as well. But we as believers, as Christians, believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, we believe in God the Spirit. One God, three, three separate entities... And we need all three. And so yep. it, it, it separates out Christianity from the rest, which is why it's such a big deal. And the fact that we also are seeing that every member of the Trinity is divine is the other part that is so important about Because if we don't say that, then we are denying that God is part of the mix. That's So we're combining a couple of the things from the earlier list into this as well. The third one... The bodily resurrection of Jesus, and we believe that that's an essential because his resurrection is what assures our resurrection as well. This is out of first Corinthians fifteen if we believe that jesus that Jesus was raised, why do we not believe that God can raise us as well? and if we are saying that we carry the name of Christ, then why would we not be raised as well? Yeah and make us reborn. Now, these last two are ones that we would argue are essential to the fellowship of believers and, and everything. They are not ones that typically get seen, but they are in the Apostles' Creed, even though they're not as explicit about it. The first one is the doctrine of the Imago Dei. We talk about this all the time. If we do not believe that man is made in the image of God, we cannot have fellowship with each other as believers. The whole the whole reason we believe that we are able to have fellowship with God is because God set us apart within creation for that exact purpose and that means all of mankind is made in the image of God you know we're recording this on Martin Luther King Martin Luther King day this is as is, is an essential piece to what it means to be Christian is that all of mankind is made in the image of God. And so all of mankind can have fellowship with God and that all believers should be able to fellowship together because we are all made in the image of God and all saved by the same God. This yeah, isn't and with that, of- I think
1: it should lead us to, to uh, question more or have more of an inquisitive mind of what can I learn from you what What's right. something different that you bring to the table because again it doesn't mean that all right me here I look fully like Christ it's like we all look different and make up different parts of the body, so how can we learn from each other um, to come together
0: right and then the last one that we've got, which is a big one for us especially is the authority of scripture because if you don't if you do not show scripture to have authority then none of these other doctrines really matter because what are you basing them on? You know, and this is not to say that we don't acknowledge the other things that build these essentials. We've already talked about that. We we fully want to you know, we want to look at the traditions of the church. We want to look at the history of the church. We want to look at what the early church believed. We want the spirit to continue to affirm these things. But unless we are grounded in the scriptures, where are we actually getting these ideas from? And so we want to also show the authority of Scripture because the authority of Scripture is what allows us to operate within this world with the authority of God.
1: Yep, yeah, it's His word given
0: to us. But it also is what allows us to know what's essential and what's not so that we can actually have fellowship together. Yep. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is a basic overview of essential scripture compared to non-essential or essential doctrine compared to non-essential doctrine. We just said all scripture is essential. So throw out that last (laughs) slip of the tongue there. You know, but we wanted to make sure we go over this because one, what we're seeing a lot of is people are making non-essentials essentials. The Republican Party is not an essential doctrine. The democratic party is not an essential doctrine libertarianism is not an essential doctrine capitalism is not an essential doctrine
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we don't need that stuff to be able to fellowship together because if we believe that the divine nature of the trinity and the authority of scripture shows us that Christ is Lord and that God is the one that sets up all of these different government entities, which means that all of them don't even matter because according to our essential doctrines, God is on the throne.
1: Yeah, so it shouldn't matter who who is in control or power. and Yeah, when Christ is at the throne, we should be able to live in, in peace
0: and freedom through that. Which is why these essentials matter to the unity of the body, is that if we don't have these things we have no reason to think that these extra things that like to come in aren't more necessary. You know, as, as horrible as it is, your stance on abortion is not necessarily an essential doctrine. Now, there's arguments that can be made with the Imago Dei that it is. True. But whether or not you voted pro-life last election does not determine whether or not you are saved or not. Correct. Yeah, it's not going to change your salvation. And that is what we want to start seeing again within these conversations going on, is much less of, oh, you believe this politically, and so you need to repent and be saved again, you evil, edgy preacher. Or you don't believe this political thing. So you need to repent and read your Bible for once. You know, the, the funniest ones is when people tell you, you need to repent and read your Bible after you've literally quoted Jesus on Mount Sinai or not Mount Sinai <laughs> on the, on, on the Mount, on the mountain. Yeah. You know, just because it doesn't fit your political ideologies does not mean it is not scripture. And that it is not okay to believe because if you believe that Christ is Lord you believe that Christ is a full member of the Trinity and that all members of the Trinity are divine you believe that Christ died and was resurrected your salvation is found in that alone you believe that all of mankind is made in the image of God and you believe these things because the Bible because the Bible tells us so then we should be able to have fellowship together.
1: Yeah, and also not picking situations and trying to find what you want scripture to say versus right, which what that's to a
0: whole other conversation we can have as far as the, the cherry picking of scripture. We can get into that another day because I think we're running running short on time here and you know how long I can go on that. Yeah. So <laughs> so hopefully next week we'll be back in studio. Um, I believe next week, Dr. Linville will be with us to talk about um, the local church. Um, Once after we talk local church, we're going to talk about the muscular Christianity movement. Um, This is another one of those things where people are trying to make non-essentials essentials essentials through the historical movement of muscular Christianity. And so we're going to actually talk about that, um, what the actual history is, what it actually means for the church and why. You know why at least for us sports ministry is the key to figuring it all out um after we talked with dr linville we're excited we've got dr beth allison Barr coming on to talk church history as a whole and what that all means and so we we've got some exciting things coming up here over the next few weeks dealing with these essential essentials and why it actually matters so If you want to support us, you can do that in a couple of ways. Uh, One of them is to go to our Buy Me a Coffee page, buymeacoffee.com backslash Ministry Misfits. You can also buy some of the merch like Brandon's awesome hat um, that you can get on our store. The Tikva shirts are still there as well if you want to buy those. And again, the profits from that go back to Tikva. Um, We're still partnered with them throughout 2022. Um, What am I missing, Brandon? There's one other. Oh. If you want to support us for a tax credit, um, go to CSRM.org. Yeah. CSRM. Org. yeah. <laughs> go to CSRM.org backslash donate, click on domestic staff. And then my name will be in the list for you to, to donate there. That money not only supports Misfits, it also supports the CSRM vision internationally for the United Fellowship of the Believers internationally. Good segue. <laughs> um, also, go go out, share, rate the podcast. That is very helpful for us. It helps with the yeah. algorithm. It helps with making sure that Facebook actually remembers to post the stuff when I try to. Um, we've, we've had a few issues with that in the past. I don't even know if I've told you that, Brandon, or not. But we've had a couple of times where I've gone to post something, and it says it's posted on my, my phone, and then I go and check it on the computer, and it's nowhere to be found. Um. Yeah, so. I think that just might be
1: a Facebook thing cuz I've had that problem with business suite.
0: Yeah, it is but it's also an algorithm thing. So the more you share, the more you like, even the angry reaction will take, although you know how we <laughs> feel about you trolls. Um, it's a non-essential. Um, go ahead, like, share all of that. Help us out with that. Um, brain anything for you? No, I think that's
1: it. Unfortunately, the Connection seems on and off for me, so that's why it's been a little bit yeah, quieter. Last.
0: That's it. Next week, we'll be back in studio, and you know, all three of the, our guests will also be in the within you know, three miles of us as well on Zoom. So, hopefully, we'll have better connection. Hopefully, this isn't too horrible to listen to, connection in, in and in a quality wise. We can talk content later. You can you can drop us. Oh, there we go. Drop us a line. All of our different channels. We're at Ministry Misfit on all social media. We are also, you can email us, ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know how bad the quality was on this one. And we can blame the internet at my parents' church for that. Um, yeah. And it, those of you that have been following along on Twitter, make sure you actually uh, make yourself known. So that way I know that it's not the same five people that I'm interacting with all the time. So <laughs> we, it's, it's been a very interesting 2022 on Twitter so far. It's, it's sparked yeah, you, uh, a lot of these conversations even.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting to watch from
0: afar. Oh yeah. Yes. Thank you at Simmons Sticks for not in... <laughs> inputting anything to, to help me out and just letting me sit there by myself. <laughs> glad, glad to did know where we stand on all of that. So anyway, we hope this was good. We hope this was actually listenable. If that is a word, we made it a word. Hopefully it was listenable. We will see you all next week when we've got our EP Dr. Greg Linville with us.
1: Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Overwhelming Victory Flicks, Overwhelming Victory Radio, and Ministry Misfits Media. Doctor Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. Our music is provided by Morning Light Music and is titled Rain. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at Ministry at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can support Ministry Misfits at anchor.fm forward slash ministrymisfits or for fo one c 3 credit by going to csrm.org forward slash donate and selecting Andrew Fouts in the campaign menu. To learn more about Overwhelming Victory or to listen to our sister podcast, visit overwhelmingvictory.org.